Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You're listening to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you in-depth and behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway and beyond. I'm your host, Variety's theater editor, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'll be talking to Lee Pace, an actor you'll recognize from TV shows like Pushing Daisies and Halt and Catch Fire, and movies like Guardians of the Galaxy and The Hobbit. He's currently starring opposite Andrew Garfield and Nathan Lane in Angels in America, now in previews and opening at Broadway's St. James Theater March 25th. He's in the studio with me to talk about Angels, America, tech startups, Middle Earth, Marvel, and more. Hey, Lee. Thanks for being here. Hi, Gordon. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So Angels in America is now in previews, and it's heading towards its opening later this month. How's it going for you? Uh, it's going... I mean, it's... Uh, wow. A lot of... Uh, there's a lot going on, I'll tell you that. Uh, it's a lot. Have you done both parts in a single day yet? No. Yeah. I've, we've only actually uh, previewed the first part. Okay. And tonight, we have our first preview for uh, for Perestroika, oh. the second part. Is so. that nerve-wracking? Yes. <laughs> It's like nerve-wracking all over again. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's nerve-wracking, but it's also really thrilling because, mm-hmm. I mean, the play is um, is such a treat to perform in front of the audience. And when we did Millennium for the first time, it's like I knew the play. We'd re- you know we've really rehearsed it. I, I know it, but to kind of have the other half of the conversation kind of speak back was, you know, I mean, really moving and kind of incredible and. Uh, and Perestroika is, um, I mean, honestly, a harder play for me to understand. So I think I'm going to learn a lot tonight. For a lot of people, I feel like they, they think that about the, the second play because it's sort of about people trying to find their way. And so, uh, I don't know, I feel like it's it's a little less cleanly structured because their lives are far less cleanly structured or something. Exa- I, I mean, it's, it's kind of the enigmatic quality of life, right. you know, like things don't always add up and right. uh, you know it's like there's there there's unforeseen kind of turns right. that happen for everyone you know and what's it like for you you're one of the new cast members coming into the show was at the national last year and you are one of the new additions for broadway um you're filling in you're uh, taking over a role that uh, russell tovey played what's that like as well, an it's, actor? it's well it's been a ton of work i'll yeah. tell you that because it's it's uh everyone else is is more familiar with the play than than, than i have been 
Um, but I like a lot of work and everyone's so smart and uh, interested in rediscovering the dynamics of the, the characters with me playing the role. Um, and I mean, with, with, you know, with Denise and with James and with Nathan, those three kind of primary relationships that I have. In- those are the three people you're on stage with the most. Those are, this is Denise. This is Denise Scoff who plays uh, Harper, right? Um, Nathan Lane who plays Roy Cohn and, and James, James who McCardle, plays yeah. who plays um, uh, Lewis. Play? Lewis, yeah. thank you. Yeah, and uh, and then you know Sue Brown who plays my mother in it too. I mean, right. Joe does have a lot of interactions with with people, and we've all, you know, and Marianne has been very uh, interested in you know. In this is Marianne my, Elliott, the director. Yes, sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, in uh, in kind of my approach to it, and and you know, I feel very. Uh, kind of very well supported i don't feel like it's uh how much do you uh, do you ever feel like you have to match something that another actor did in that role do you ever no feel that? i don't yeah not at all no it's not um i mean it's i think it's very different than what what they did in london i didn't see the london one so i don't right. know for sure but um I, I mean i feel like this is the character that i was preparing you know before right. i started rehearsing right you know? And you've never seen a production of this play, is that right? No, I've never seen it. I've uh, no, never seen it, and uh, I don't know how that's the case. Nor the HBO, <laughs> you, you said. No, I didn't yeah. see. I haven't seen the HBO, which right. I don't understand how I didn't see it because right. it's something I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure I wanted to see, but you know, you just you only got so much bandwidth. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I've known the play for such a long time. I remember when I was in high school, and uh, I uh, and some upperclassmen. This would have been about 95, 96. Some upperclassmen had seen, had gone to New York to see the Angels in America when it was on Broadway. And they came back talking about it. And I remember sitting backstage at the, um, you know, in this auditorium space, this massive high school in the suburbs of Houston. Were you in a play at that time? Is that that what you were saying? Well, we just, I mean, I was in the drama club at school. So it's like (laughs) I spent like every minute, you know, (laughs) hanging out backstage at the auditorium. (laughs) We were probably rehearsing, you know, Oliver or the musical that we were doing. And and we were, uh, and I just remember talking about it with, you know, the other 15-year-olds talking about, the AIDS crisis, talking about sexuality, talking about the politics of the 80s and in a way that, I, you know, I look back at it now and I think that's actually kind of extraordinary mm-hmm. that yeah. that that play would have entered my life at that that moment in time um, and how probably formative that probably was, you mm-hmm. know, uh, because it's just so alien to that environment of, you know, suburban right. Texas, you yeah. know. And um, and the points of view were so massive, and I, you know, I, I I couldn't say how much of it I actually comprehended. I know that I uh, now looking at it understand it, you know, with a grown up set of eyes, you know, and that's because I've thought about it over the years. You know, it comes across, you know, it comes into your, you know, in your mind every once in a while. You think, oh, that's interesting, or you pick up the copy and look at it, and um. And when I came at it this time, the the, the things that that uh, resonated about Joe with me were not things that I think I would have thought about then, you know. Sure, yeah. This is uh, you play Joe Pitt, um, which actually for uh, folks who maybe don't know the play or maybe haven't seen it in a while, tell us about who Joe Pitt is and what his journey is. Uh, Joe Pitt is. Uh, I guess the the most simple way I can describe him is that he's a 
a very good man. He's a nice man. He's a good man. It's important to him to be good. He's a Mormon, and he's married to a woman named Harper. Uh, he's in the, ro- the orbit of Roy Cohn, and a part of Roy Cohn's favor bank. Um, and at the beginning of the play, he's offered uh, the opportunity to move to Washington to become a part of the, the justice system in a more significant way. And, and he sees it as the change his life requires. I look at Joe as kind of like, uh, I mean, he's a contemporary of Mitt Romney or mm-hmm. Donald Trump. He's, uh, I, I think about him as like Gorsuch today. You know, he's someone who has, you know, uh, a huge amount of ambition and, uh, uh, you know, a very aggressive understanding of the law. Um, And in. But he's also someone who has very little understanding about himself and uh, and actively uh, refuses to acknowledge parts of himself I, I, you know the analogy I, I guess I, I, give, I give to myself is that it's like hating your nose looking at it in the morning in, at the mirror in the morning every day and thinking I don't have a nose 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 you know until someone says you do you smell with it every day <laughs> you use it to breathe every minute of the day and that's Joe's sexuality you know he's um He's uh, he's homosexual and he doesn't. But you know he's he's married to Harper and he loves her very much. I don't, it's a very complicated thing. Yeah. Because um, Tony has has created a a very rich, complicated thing. So I could sit here all day, kind of you know, kind of yeah. doing the paint by numbers of what yeah. he is. But it's, what all, although it's set in the eighties, I feel like a lot of angels still resonates today with particularly timely things is there anything in particular that struck you as you were listening to the play as you were rehearsing and doing it that really struck you with really sort of up to the minute uh, resonance well it's a play about democracy you know the, J- Lewis has this incredible speech at the at the end of the first play mm-hmm. where he talks about democracy in America and how despite the best efforts of the right it continues to spread downwards and outwards among the people and um and I, I, I look at this play and I look at how much in the world has changed in the 25 years since it was last on Broadway and it's uh, and, and how much the play has actually contributed to that to that change that profound change there are now people who live very fulfilling long lives with with AIDS and HIV um, at the time people were dying at an extraordinary rate and it's um, you know plays like this that make that happen um, Joe is someone who is on the wrong side of the democratic po- uh, promise you know he's a part of that he's a soldier in the monolith um, Pryor has a, a, a speech talking about a longboat that's you know es- escaping a shipwreck and you know they're you know people being hurled off the side when they're trying to get the ballast right and Joe is one of those people who are Taking strong people, capable people who take unnecessary people and throw them into the water because he doesn't think they're necessary. But he doesn't know that, you know. He doesn't realize that the what that means. 
you yeah. know he's just doing what he believes is right should donald trump come see this play Oh, God, I would love it if Donald Trump came to see this play. Wouldn't that be thrilling <laughs> to know that he was out there? I think he would see a very different show. That would be a, a, a pretty electric energy in that room, Yeah, I would I say. Um, we should invite him, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I mean, but, you know, Roy Cohn is, you know, one of the... Mm-hmm. You know, right. And uh, played by Nathan Lane, which is yeah. such a privilege to be with him on stage every night um and uh and roy cohen was of course one of donald trump's uh, mentors right um right so um yeah i wonder uh what the president would make of of seeing yeah and so your last broadway show was the normal heart which was uh i guess six or seven years ago um and which is another major title in the sort of Mm. canon of gay plays and so What's next for you? Is there, you know, Torch Song Trilogy is coming up and Boys in the Band. You could. I know. <laughs> I've never, I've in never, I've not, I don't have, I've read Boys in the Band years ago. Torch Song right. Tr- Trilogy I haven't read yet, but God, what an exciting time mm. to have all of these plays on Broadway at the same right. time. And, you know, God, I would think that anyone who really cares about the American theater, you know, what a thing not to miss. I mean, you right. have to go see these plays. Right. You have to see them all and kind of see this conversation that has taken place over the past 30 years because i mean really gay identity has been you know discussed so much in within these plays you've got you know boys in the band that took place well 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 before the aids crisis and this play that takes place you know during the terrifying height of it right you know that's that's you know that's that's meaningful that's that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, so last year, Halt and Catch Fire, which is the AMC series that, in which you starred, came to a close after four seasons. I, I feel like it was one of those shows that it started out and not a lot of people watched it. And then as every with every season, it seemed to grow in stature. And I feel like more and more people were talking about it as it went along. Um, did you feel like the show got overlooked by a wider audience as you were working on it? Oh, I don't know. I never know how to analyze what audiences are going to do or why they do it. Um, I know that that we all, I feel like, understood the show better the more we did it. Mm. You know, and I, I, I loved the way we worked on that show. Um, we, it felt like a, just I'll speak for the actors, it felt like a real company of actors that we would get together on our own and discuss. We just loved these characters so much. And the writers as well. It just there was this interesting alchemy with these yeah. five people and the different configurations they would find themselves in, um, and the, the you know the things we were talking about in the show just felt I don't know personal in all the right ways and interesting. Yeah, I feel like in a way you've been in a number of uh, projects that I people can think of as kind of cult favorites. Like there was, there was Halt and Catch Fire. Um, there was Pushing Daisies, which um, attracted a lot of theater fans, you know, mm-hmm. with like Christian Chenoweth and Ellen Green and there was singing and, you know, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, does that speak to your taste at all in terms of what, what kind of projects kind of attract your attention? These things that um, are like really passionately loved, but maybe it takes a while to find their kind of wider... Um, Again, audience? I don't understand what the I yeah. don't understand how that works. Yeah. I just don't. I, I mean, I don't have. It's not what I. I mean, I, I and I also don't understand how I find my way to certain things. I wish mm-hmm. I could say that there was some strategy, but it's it's really just like 
things that I like, you know, I right. really, I, when I, when I read the, the pilot for Halt and Catch Fire, I just loved the character. I thought right. he was so, um, like a sociopath, and, but enigmatic and hopeful in a way. There was this kind of, you know, naive sense of hope to him, right. but, you know, destruction all around him. He's right. like a, you know, an ill-tempered toddler. Right. Who's but a very powerful toddler. Um, and with, and I just found it interesting. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And um, yeah, the same was true with, with, uh, with Pushing Daisies. Right. I'd done a show with Brian Fuller in the past. Right. And that was Wonderfalls, yeah? Yeah, Wonderfalls yeah, right. I'd done. It was like one of the very first jobs I had. Yeah. And so I knew Brian and big fan of all the things that he had done since and um, consider him, you know, one of my good friends and, uh, and so when, and I would love to work with him again. So, uh, I'm sure that will happen sometime soon because I do. I just, well, uh, this is a question. Do, uh, do they ever talk about bringing pushing daisies back in, in the age of reboots? Yeah. There's always like a fun kind of like, wouldn't it be fun if this, or yeah. wouldn't it would be fun if that, I mean, whenever I see Anna, we always kind right. of say, God, this was your co star in the show. Anna. Anna. Yeah. Anna yeah. Freel. Yeah. Uh, we kind of think what it would, it would, what would that be? Um, yeah, it would be so fun to kind of see where they were chucking that are today yeah. you know i think i also feel like there is something of a like fan base for a movie you did called the fall which i am maybe one of 12 people who saw in the theater and loved and i every time i come across people who have seen that movie they go oh yeah that movie's really good have you do people ever talk to you about that movie yeah actually that's like the thing that if i ever kind of someone's like oh you're the guy from the oh really yeah yeah it's, oh. it's really the fall that that which oh. i you know I'm so proud of that. Yeah. And to, to, to meet someone who actually saw it in the theater is I, pretty I, it, Yeah, it was me and one friend and maybe three or four other people. And we were all like, this is great. I know. <laughs> it's great. I mean, I, I, mean, I, cause I, I it was also one of the first things that I had done. Right. And uh, and I remember the whole time we were shooting it, Tarsem was like... Um, this is the director, Tarsem Singh. Yeah, Tarsem. It was just kind of like this... He was like, it doesn't, you know, this is extraordinary. It doesn't get better than this. We were like in India and in Africa. Right, right. You know, we went to all these different countries. Yeah, it's a beautiful sh- film. It's to like, shoot yeah. little bits. And it's all real. Yeah. Like, and you look at how movies are made now, and it's all on green screens. I've been in front of so many green screens. But, <laughs> yes, we'll talk about that next. But, but, <laughs> yes. But <laughs> it's like this movie, like we were actually, we had hiked all the way up to the top of the Himalayas. We were, the, us and the whole crew were in this big camp of tents. You know, sitting around a bonfire at night, and then we'd wake up before dawn in the morning, shower in a tent, you know, with a bucket of like ice water, right. and then kind of put on Eiko Ishioka's incredible mm-hmm. costume. Yeah, the costumes are amazing. Yep. And kind of set up cameras in the middle of the, you know, these kind of high mountain deserts. It was the experience of shooting that movie mm. every single day was kind of extraordinary we were in the the big fort at at jodhpur Mm. it would be like you know 120 degrees it was so hot and i'm in these like you know this wool vest and leather um trousers big crazy trousers and we're running from explosions and these i mean it was just like and then i watched the movie assembled and i and I, i i to say that i'm proud of being a part of it is just such an understatement i'm just I, I see Tarsem. Mm. I see. I see the power of a director telling a story that is so authentic to him. Mm. You know, I see his um, just all the quirky, weird things that he likes, like Darwin 
and right you know and uh so so the fall listeners if you haven't seen it you should it's worth it um and you've also been in quite a few you was alluded to this but you've been in quite a few projects that don't count at all as cult favorites right there's like guardians of the galaxy and there's the hobbit and (laughs) twilight what these are like as you said, completely different kinds of movies, like with huge casts and like enormous special effects budgets. And what's what's it like as an actor for you to go into projects like this? Is it is it fun? Yeah, absolutely fun. I mean, it's I mean, there's no kind of finding yourself, you know, dressed as an elven king looking right, you know, across a battlefield at Ian McKellen dressed as a wizard and not <laughs> thinking, I love my life. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's, yeah, that's, it's, um, that was pretty, that was, uh, an extraordinary experience shooting those movies. Um, but completely different than, right. You know, yeah. Anything else I've ever done. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so are you done in the Marvel universe? I feel like at the end, spoiler alert, at the end of the first guardians, it seemed like Ronan was maybe not alive at the end. Do you feel like that's right? Um, what do you know? <laughs> I know nothing. I know no- I'm sucked into an Infinity Stone, and oh well, then you could totally be back. That, that's as much as I know. I mean, I, I imagine it's probably very difficult to be extracted from. I mean, I don't stone. know. Don't I they mean, have a whole series of movies coming out about Infinity Stones? So you might be getting a call. I don't know. <laughs> and you have a movie coming out uh, soonish called Driven. Is that right? With uh, you play Lee Iacocca. No, no, I played John DeLorean. Oh. Yeah. Oh, weird. I think that's Similar wrong on IMDb. Yeah, exactly. It's the way to... Well, let me... I'll check that. Um, oh. Is that also set in the 80s? It is set in the 80s, All yeah. right. You've, yeah. Got a, you've got a whole sort of trilogy of work happening <laughs> with, uh, with the 80s. Yeah. Um, what, can, well, what can you tell us about Driven? Uh, we shot it down in Puerto Rico in mm. right after the hurricane. Mm. Um, oh, wow. And, uh, and that was a pretty... Uh, unique experience kind of seeing that island rebuild and being uh, you know a small part of that which was a real privilege Um, uh, and very uh, moving I haven't seen the movie I uh, um, I really enjoyed learning about John DeLorean Mm. he's uh, he was such an incredible character Um, to to play he's you know such a well, I, I, I was about to say that he's someone who kind of doesn't exist anymore, but you kind of look at a Donald Trump and absolutely there's always mm-hmm. guys like that around, right. you know. But I do, I really have a lot of affection for him. I think that I think that there's something magical about someone that uh, pursues a dream the way mm-hmm. he, and very, very, very American. Yeah, right. You know. And what's next on your plate after you're in Angels through, um, when is it, July? Um, I forget. July. Uh, oh, it is July. Great. Um, and so, and then what? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, hopefully something, because um, I like to work. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, is, it, is it important to you that theater always be uh, kind of a thing that you come back to sometimes? Very, very important to yeah. me. It's, I, I, I feel so lucky to be a part of this community um and uh i mean i mean i i felt like i was i was aware of this community before i'd even been to new york like i was saying back in high school i remember watching the tonys 
and being aware of all the plays that were, you know, all the actors that were going to be nominated right. and having opinions before. I, I'd never even seen the plays before. You know, I'd never seen the plays. Right. Um, so I did off, off Broadway for years and years. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, and I have such memories of all those times. You know, it's like you just have memories of being on stage with, you know, Annie Paris in the first play that I ever did and Glenn Howard and, and mm-hmm. E. Catherine Kerr, this play did called Crito Canvas at mm-hmm. Playwrights Horizons. And, yeah. um, and I, I, it was, I was like fresh out of school and I just remember the thrill of being... Oh, was, you went to Juilliard, is that right? Yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. I, just being the thrill of like actually getting paid to mm-hmm. be able to act on stage in New York. Right. And you know, kind of feeling the same thing when I was when they asked me to be a part of Normal Heart um, on Broadway for the first time. Yeah. It was just like I can't, I just pinch myself and think I'm, uh, you know, I'm. It's such a dream come true to be a part of this community. Yeah. You know, and it's and when I say the community, it's not just the people who are making the plays and acting in the plays. It's the audience, you know, because there's this, you know, this committed. Uh, group of connoisseurs who see all of the plays, you know, and watch the performances and watch the um, um, revivals, you know, and have seen saw the first Angels in America and are seeing this, you know, Angels in America, you know. We, we were talking about Bernadette Peters and and right, Hello, Hello Dolly, yeah, you know, who have seen Bernadette Peters, you know, you know, for all of these years right. who cannot miss her right. in Hello Dolly like if you care about theater you have to see that performance right. and I still have to see it yeah. you know so that's I'm it's um, it's one of the meaningful things in my life that I that I get to still be a part of this community yeah. are you a superstitious stage actor are there things that you have to do before a performance or for instance before your first performance of part two of Angels in America for instance not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes Denise will give me one of her crystals to carry in my pocket before oh. I go on stage. Does it help? Um, I've had a good time so far. So you're, I mean, right. now that it occurs to me now that I I shouldn't go on stage without a crystal in my pocket. Right. But um, <laughs> uh, but I've uh, not really. I think it's a you know the only thing I do feel strongly about is just feeling kind of relaxed and and to have a good time with it. You know because this is one of the best jobs in the world and I feel so lucky to do it so if I'm not having a good time with it then I'm doing it wrong we'll have a great time with it tonight can't wait to see it thanks for being here nice to talk to you thanks That was Lee Pace, the actor from Halt and Catch Fire and the Guardians of the Galaxy, who's now appearing on Broadway in Angels in America. On the next episode of StageCraft, I'll talk to Robert Greenblatt, who has a very important day job as the chairman of NBC Entertainment, but he moonlights as a theater fan and producer, and is the man behind NBC's theater-centric shows like Smash, The Sound of Music Live, and Rise, the new series that people are calling Friday Night Lights, but with musicals. Until then, see you at the theater. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels well here's your chance welcome to the quiet part out loud with me bobby steggert broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of broadway creatives 
part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 